know, I have seriously considered, like honest 100% before watching this movie that we're going to be watching this week, uh, considered selling everything I have and just living in a van. I like love the idea of oh, the yeah. hashtag van life, you know? Oh, hashtag it's, van life. It's just so like freeing and I like, I'm, I'm a minimalist myself, so I kind of like the idea of just get rid of everything mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. hitting the road and finding America, you know, seeing what true America is. That's also how I fell in love with country music. You know, oh, you don't, yeah. you listen to country music and it's for me, it was just like, ah, oh, it's, it's just, it, it, it is, it's, it's country, you know? Yeah. But then when you're like driving and you're in the middle of nowhere and, in the Midwest and it's all just fields around you and it's just you and, and the land. And then you put country music on Mm -hmm. and it's like, I get it. I really get it. I understand where they're coming from, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And so now I like country music too, because of that. (laughs) Well, country music during road trips, dude, that is, it, it's the best. It's the best backdrop for it because the music flows with the backdrop that you're in, like uh, the background. It's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Love yeah. it. Absolutely. Well, hey guys, what's going on? And welcome to this episode of Uncovered Cinema. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. And let me ask you guys a question. Have you guys ever thought about just picking up? We were talking about this earlier, but have you guys ever thought about just picking up your stuff, selling everything, and just leaving everything you know behind? Well, every waking hour of the day. Oh, I know, dude. <laughs> Every <laughs> all the time, especially when shit just doesn't go my way, I'm just like, you know what? It's would be nice to just leave. Yeah, but you can't do it nowadays because you're just gonna be scared that you get COVID. The more out you get, you know, yeah, and for living out, and and it, it it takes a brave person, a brave person, to be able to you know shed their earthly possessions and live out of a van i know i couldn't (laughs) like as much as i daydream about wanting to and leaving you know society behind and see going on the road and seeing the united states i just i can't i wouldn't be able to i wouldn't be able to live out of something that small yeah and of of course we're talking about today's movie that we're going to be reviewing Mm -hmm. uh you know it of course because you've clicked on it it is nomadland an oscar winner for the uh, 2021 oscars that recently came out Uh And uh, we decided to review it because this one deserved a little bit more attention. I think the the visuals on the commercial, on the th- trailer for it, were just so beautiful. Yeah. And and the story itself just seemed like something that we all need in America right now. is just kind of the freedom to just get out and, and you know, explore and, and just see a, a different perspective. That's kind of what I'm all about myself, mm-hmm. is, is always going out and finding a new perspective. And no, I totally would do this in a, in a heartbeat. And this is actually part of my retirement plans is to someday purchase an Airstream and just, just travel the world like a nomad myself, you know? So, uh, I'm looking forward to, to checking out this movie, but first we have a, uh, some, some production news that we're going to jump into. Yeah. Um, if you guys are in the LA area, be on the lookout. There's a company that's coming into town and they're purchasing up old warehouses that have gone derelict and abandoned over the years mm-hmm. and they're rebuilding them, they're refurbishing them into new studios. Okay? So new soundstage studios, that's going to be awesome. Not only is it going to breathe life into LA's filmmaking scene, I mean, if you're not from LA, you're not from the area, you may not think that the scene would need breath to be um 
to be pushed into it. But right. with the insurgence of Georgia yeah. and now um, New Mexico, mm-hmm. you know, um, Florida trying to kick back in there, it never hurts to get brand new buildings and brand new blood into the system. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and of course, what you're talking about is the tax credits that have allowed a lot of the producers of, of movies and the, the creators to move out to Georgia and now mm-hmm. is becoming New Mexico. And again, everyone's kind of turning away from Georgia at the moment because of the, uh, as a way uh, to protest the the laws that are preventing and making it tougher to vote for people. Yeah, the, um, for the, the voting laws over there. there. Yeah, so the this has pushed a lot of the business out of LA. For a while, it was refreshing because we got a a new background in all of our movies and a lot of things were being made in Georgia, but uh, mm-hmm. we we need more to come back over here. This is kind of where the industries thrive from and it's really, the foundation is kind of built here. So even though yeah things were happening in Georgia and New Mexico, all of the decisions are being made from here. And we have this, this growth, this explosion of uh, smaller production companies, you know, grabbing cameras and making quality content that's being put out along all these different streaming services. So there's oh, yeah. definitely a need for these these studio spaces to be rented out. Uh, which you, I've actually been seeing a lot of a jump of it as well on, on TikTok. There's a lot of people that are starting businesses and documenting their their growth and how they're doing it with these studio spaces that are that are able to be rented out. It's kind of like we, you see them a lot, like uh, office spaces. People rent virtual office spaces and stuff. But it's it's nice mm-hmm. that we're getting a lot of these. And I actually have been filming in some of these in in LA myself in the past past a uh, couple of weeks. So that's yeah. that's great that we're seeing more of them. Yeah, it it really is because the more that demand of these um, sound stages are coming, the more sound stages are going to be built. That's just going to allow for more films to be filmed by not only the big boys that have all the money to build a custom sound stage if they really need to, all the way down to the little people that can only spend two hundred dollars for an hour of use. You know, maybe they need it for a weekend. Maybe they, you know, can spend a couple hundred bucks, but that's it. So it's really nice to see that full access. You know, my whole fear of where the industry is going is that it's going to, um, you know, strangle the indie developers and strangle the um, small time filmmakers who are trying to make it big with um, doing a low budget movie that hopefully explodes into a multi-million dollar success. That's everyone's dream. That's every filmmaker's dream, right? Right. Um, and my fear is that the big studios are trying to make that specific reality an impossibility for um, I see. small indie filmmakers. But with new studios being built, that's just making it, even if it's a fraction of a percentage easier, it's making it that much easier for the everyday you know, um, Martin Scorsese, who just has enough money to pay for a basic camera, but has all the skills in the world, but will never get seen because he doesn't have the money right. to now be able to be seen. Yeah. And a uh, fun fact, anyone can actually, you know, r- go into these big studios and record like Universal Studios and stuff. You can actually rent the space to record there. Uh, it's the problem is though it's just super expensive and the insurance rates that you have to have to go into them are just so ridiculous that it pushes out any of these small production companies. But in a worst yeah. case scenario, you can always just 
rent a trailer and start traveling around the country uh, like our like our movie for today and uh, just make mm-hmm. it on the fly there. I don't know how it's going to work with That's, film permits, but, that, you know, figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> a- anything can get done in the industry with enough money. That's never been an issue, but it's what point is it too much money to do this stuff? Because even anything that has to do with the film industry, the moment you say it's for film, it becomes 300% more expensive. Yeah. Even like the movie that we had today, I think it was like a $5 million budget to make the movie and it's only netted like 6.5 million. So it's, yeah. I think the margins that we're seeing for movies have dropped significantly since we've had this tremendous change in the industry going from you know movie theater releases to on-demand releases yeah of course you're paying yeah you know 19 dollars a ticket um for on a streaming service but you can mm-hmm. have you know 10 people watching it and, and you can always watch it again later because you own the movie so before you know it would be you know 20 dollars per ticket per person so it's it's like a family is now you know saving 80 percent on uh on their costs to watch these movie uh, that that are that yeah. are coming out on on demand services, so yeah, it's interesting. And these to movies see what's, are just as, and these little five million dollar movies are just as good as a fifty million dollar to a hundred million dollar movie. Plus, it just depends on who's directing it, who's shooting it, who's starring in it, how much grit you have. It. Yeah, how you much? Got it. Well, yeah, how much grit you got? It ultimately comes down to the story because you mm-hmm. you can uh, always. You know, film on a, on a cheaper camera if you need to, and you can always do a little bit of a sacrifice with your audio. But the the story is what is what sells the movie and and moves the audience. So that's what they're going to be walking out of the theater with is the story in their mind, not the camera that was filmed on it. Unless you're me and I look at things like that. So yeah, it and like. You have to understand, guys, $5 million is not a lot of money in filmmaking. It may sound like a lot of money. You're like, oh, man, that's more. That's that's a lot of zeros, dude. That's a lot of money. I can do. I can make a film at $5 million. It's not that simple. You have, have to you take into production account. insurance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, need- half the budget will be eaten in just your freaking insurance to film. Yeah. You have to have insurance that, you know, can be upwards of a couple thousand dollars per month of filming just to have like a million dollar insurance or plus maybe even more if you're doing crazy stunts then you also have to pay for every single person that's working on the film nobody wants to work for free you got to give them a good wage you know as a um as a best boy electric i was 550 to 750 per day i was working for every single day i was there is making 550 dollars to 750 dollars now, in a film that had a $5 million budget, I would probably take a step back and be like, okay, cool. I could probably do this on $450 to $500, but not much not much less than that. And that's me taking a step back. There's some guys who have you know, 15, 20, 30 years more experience than I do who yep. will take a step back to like maybe $600 instead of $750. Yeah, you know? and, and, so, and just to expand on that, you know, that, that $750 a day rate is is pretty standard uh, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to positions that that require experience and knowledge uh, specific knowledge such as you know electrical and and the way lighting yeah. should be put up uh but you know 
that that is ideal situations. I was on a set this weekend where there was, you know, five or six of is and that's considered a small crew, five or six people, and they're all working on that day rate. And we were shut down half the day from production because there wasn't clouds in the sky, you know? It's it was it was too yeah. sunny to film in the shade, if that makes sense, because there's you know, you, if you're in a shaded spot, the sunny part is going to be blown out because there's too much contrast. So we had to wait for clouds to come. We'd get five minutes to shoot, and then the sun would be full blown again. So then we'd have to wait, you know, another 40 minutes until a cloud came by and blocked out the sun. Yeah. But they're still paying that rate. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you're waiting on the sun. Yeah, and you're also paying daily rates on all the pieces of equipment you have because filmmakers don't own their cameras. You don't own the lens you shoot with. Yeah. You don't own the lights you light with. You rent them all because why would you buy something if you're always constantly shooting and then you're going to have to replace that thing you bought a couple of years later. Right. If you're working with companies who are willing to pay you to rent gear, just rent the damn gear. You know, if you have your own gear, cool. Rent them your gear. But just rent the gear otherwise. So you see how that $5 million can get, you know, pick and pull that. What were you going to say, Brian? Yeah. My my last thought on that too is just, is, is that is actually something that I've been working with, with other people that are in my area. We live in in Riverside community and we're trying to uh, encourage and, and bring more production from LA over to Riverside and for the better part of the last two years, we people like me that work in production have been trying to bring films or documentaries or shorts to this area. And we're being uh, motivated through the incentive of free film permits within this area. So oh, that's nice. It's, it is great, but it comes with uh, you know, the stipulation that um, if, if you're filming at a location, you, f- mm-hmm. you get the permit for free um, of course, there's insurance, production insurance, which is which is fairly expensive for the, you know, individual production that you're working on. And then on top of that, I own my equipment and because I'm the one that usually rents it out to, to yeah. other production houses. So I own my production equipment and I, I have to pay insurance on that. And if mm-hmm. as, let's say I'm just filming at, a, at a, a location inside of a house, well, you have to fill, file permits for all the vehicles that are going to be with production that are going to be in the street. And sometimes if, if you have enough gear, you're going to have to pay to have the street closed down, which means you're going to have to pay, you know, uh, peace officers to come out and come put, uh, and, and, and do their surveillance, uh, do their, you know, standby stuff and, and keep an eye on everything. You're going to have to pay yeah. the uh, department of transportation to come out and put the roadblocks up for a certain amount of time. And then sometimes if, depending on the city, you have to have someone, who is just a monitor who just monitors everything that you're doing to make sure that, you know, you don't, you don't like, you know, put a hole in the concrete on the sidewalk or something, or you yeah. don't break something with the heavy equipment if it were to fall over or something. So all those, yeah, numbers add up and that's what creates a very expensive movie. So those budgets are pretty realistic when you're, uh, are pretty tight rather when you're, when you're looking at making movies. Yeah. So you want to cut back as much as possible. And um, one way that they did which I thought was brilliant. They didn't rent a lot of lights, if any lights. Um, I couldn't tell any scenes in there aside from the uh, obvious nighttime scenes where it was very, it was shot on a very low, um, you know, uh, focus rate. And 
all the natural lighting for everything. All the shots were either in um, dusk or dawn. Yeah. Or Every, um, if you love the magic hour, this this film's mm-hmm. going to be for you because I think it was almost yes. entirely shot in the magic hours. Yeah, either um, the dawn or the dusk magic hours. And either way, it was gorgeous. It gave every shot that, oh, photos. You know, when you're looking through your your, uh, vacation photos, you always got that one photo that you look at from some sunset or some thing that you're doing. Let's explain what the magic hour is. That's for an industry standard. That's something that is the preferred time to shoot with. But maybe not everybody knows what the magic hour is. That's true. Um, so the the magic hour is a time in the morning and the night where the sun is coming into the sky and going out of the sky at an angle that shoots off like the golden sky, the golden hour. Right. Um, if you guys know, um, like it gives you a golden sky or it gives you a and nice shadows. pink sky, shadows everything down, dilutes the um, the light to where it looks beautiful pretty much on any device i mean during golden hour you can bring your phone out and take a shot and it'll be perfect cinematic lit. quality yeah. almost and every time counter to that would be the worst time to film and in, in any time of day would be 12 o'clock because the moon the, the moon <laughs> well <laughs> we're the in the rocks right. yeah the sun is right above you and it creates the mm-hmm. those ugly little raccoon shadows you know the the shadowing under your eyes and yeah. and there's no everything's very flat because there's no interesting shadows that are being portrayed across your your uh, yeah, your landscape just, for wide shots or anything. It's just really boring. Think of when you guys have a light right above your head, right? And you need to do a zoom call, and that's the only light that's lighting you. So you have these big old shadows under your eyes. We call them raccoon eyes, right? right. You have those, or you have the giant shooting you know, spike under your nose that's um, (laughs) off from the light shooting onto your nose. That's what high noon does for filmmakers naturally. So when you're shooting a professional project that you want to win awards or you want to hopefully get up to, you know, the Grammys one day or the Emmys one day or the, what the fuck? One of them. It's all arbitrary anyways. Yeah. That you're making a film that you want to get up to the awards one day then you're going to have to take all these um, little things into account. So avoiding high noon is the most you know obvious solution. Word of the day for you is uh, magic hour. So now we've learned a production term for you. Let's get into mm-hmm. this crossover that I see that's happening today from uh, yeah. Disney Plus. Magic hour and golden hour. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're Which two is terms for the, the same yeah. exact thing. One's at the beginning of the day and the, obviously the end of the day. Yep. Magic hours beginning, golden hours at the end. All right. So um, one before we get into the film anymore, and before we do the deep dive into it and go watch it ourselves, um, I want to talk about a very exciting crossover. Yes. I was just reading about this myself. Go ahead. I don't want to. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So um, Star Wars and Simpsons yes. are having a crossover short. I yes. know. Yes. I know. It came out on May 4th. Uh, may the 4th be with you, by the way. Yes. Uh, and also and it's you. called The Force Awakens <laughs> from its nap. If you guys have Disney Plus, go check it out there. It is free. It is only a couple minutes long, but it is awesome. It shows the um, the art style 
that the Simpsons have and they bring it into the Star Wars universe and it just it meshes so well. I really enjoyed it. I've always loved like when Family Guy does the Star Wars crossovers. That's like, yeah, my favorite. Like if I see them coming on back to back. Oh, yeah, that's a night for me right there. I'm going to watch all the Family Guy Star Wars. So I'm excited to see this one. I just I just read about this today. So I'm going to have to check it out. Simpsons and Star Wars crossover short on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it might, like I said, it's only a couple minutes long. And if they did like longer episodes on it and maybe a full movie on it, that would be something. But it's only a couple minutes long and it is, oh, it's it's awesome, dude. It definitely deserves its own movie. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll, that, that will be the teaser that will come out in the future. Once they get the, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people watching it, you're going to get the movie coming out and yeah, and, uh, yeah it's going to be great. What, what's going on with YouTube TV? I see it's... Uh, Okay, Roku so, devices are not taking them anymore, huh? Yeah, YouTube and Roku are at war with each other right now. They um YouTube wants needs to sign a new contract per Roku. Um however they don't want to, so there's a big old um argument going on right now. However, the short of the short is if you have a Roku device and you have YouTube TV, it's not going uh YouTube TV will not work on Roku devices any longer. Uh, if you're already signed into YouTube TV on your U- Roku device, do not sign out cuz once you sign out, you that's it. You can't use it anymore. If you have to upgrade to a new Roku TV and you use YouTube TV, you can't use it. Okay? But if you're already using it going forward, you can use it. Just don't sign out and don't switch devices. Dang, I, I, you know, I'm a subscriber of YouTube TV. I canceled my cable subscription a while back, and I like mm-hmm. the fact that I just have a cable bill or an internet bill instead of a cable bill now. And uh, what I think is great with the Roku is you can like take it when you're traveling because it's just the little plug you plug into the HDMI port, and yeah. it, and it works. So this is kind of a bummer for me that I'm not going to be able to to bring my YouTube TV with me anymore. So. Yeah, yeah, I guess it, as long it, as you don't sign out, you're you're fine, you said, right? Yeah, as long as you don't sign out, you're fine. I was looking into getting a YouTube TV, but considering my TV, well, the main TV that I have in the office is a Roku TV. There's really no reason for me to get it. Yeah. Because I won't be able to play it online, you know? Well, hopefully in the future they're going to settle their disputes and we can have a YouTube TV back on Roku because that's really a disadvantage for a lot of people that use that, that yeah. device. Or have kind a compatible like, DVDs. Kind of feels like our parents are fighting. And we're just yeah. like, <laughs> we just, please, can you guys make up? Because we're tired of this. <laughs> yeah. And, and while we're Think at it, it would, children. Be, it would be great if uh, Discovery Plus can be on a little bit more platforms. You know, I'm pissed off that I have to pay $8 a month for it so I can watch it with no ads. And uh, <laughs> it doesn't even work on my TV because it's not a compatible app with it yet. So hopefully we'll yeah. be seeing more compatibility issues coming out in the future. That's really going to be the strongest uh, foothold for these, all these various streaming devices that are coming on streaming services that are coming out is, is the compatibility issue because there's, there's so much so fast and and you're, you're buying things blindly. Like I'm doing with discovery plus because I want to watch shows Mm -hmm. on it and it doesn't even work on my TV. So I have to watch it only on my, on my iPad or something, you know, which is a little unfortunate for the price I'm paying. Yeah, they that is definitely an issue that's going to need to be addressed, in my opinion, is um, the streaming companies working with the different smart TVs, as well as working with the different TV manufacturers, because we can't have 
two different manufacturers, Apple and I don't know, uh, I'm just going to throw out maybe Samsung or something. What if they get into a fight in the future, right? And then all of a sudden my Apple TV, I can't use on my Samsung TV. What then? Exactly. You know, what's to protect us from their feuding, you know? Yep. Why should we be even involved or affected by their feuding? Let us use everything on every device. But then again, that comes into the little tech. Uh, yeah. You know what? It just makes me so crazy. I'm just going to rent a van and travel the country with it. So oh. with that, let's move on to our movie of the week. We're talking Nomadland, Oscar winner, mm-hmm. the 21, 2021 Oscars, as well as all these other uh, uh, award ceremonies that, that had brought it to this position. And uh, what the the synopsis yeah. is a Nomadland. Here we go. A synopsis is a woman who's in her sixties after loses losing everything in the Great Recession. Great Recession, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. After losing everything in the Great Recession, embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van dwelling modern day nomad, or what some people would call homeless. Well, I mean, nah, I would say a modern day nomad is drastically different from homeless. But the the recession that they're talking about is the recession that happened in 2007 to 2009, the ah, great housing recession. Okay, yeah. Um that's that's what they're they're talking about right here. Okay, I was um, feeling a little like dust bowl situation, but I was thinking <laughs> this is the wrong era for van living, but you never know. No, I just no, no. you know, kept Not- on with it. Yeah, not the Great Depression, the yeah. Great Recession. Oh, there, that's there you go. It's the it great wasn't. Recession. It wasn't. It wasn't nearly as bad as the Depression yet. But I mean, it, it it got pretty bad. It got pretty bad back in those days, especially for um the people that they're talking about in this book. This was. This is an adaptation from a book. Okay, so just be aware. Um, this movie is directed by Chloe Zhou. And she yes. is the first woman of color who got best director at the Academy Awards, by the yes, way. Yes, exciting. That is We're progressive. We're moving forward. And mm-hmm. one of my uh, favorite actresses is uh, Frances McDormand, and she produced and starred oh, yeah. in this film. And I think oh. uh, just telling you from the, the trailer, like she makes this movie. If anyone can encompass whatever's going to be going on with this character, I think. She she portrays it instantly the second the the trailer starts. So I'm real excited no. to watch this film. Yeah. As I was doing the research, she literally was the driving force behind this film. Oh. She not only was the one that optioned the rights for the film, she produced the entire thing and she starred in it. Wow. That's going to be great. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think perfect I'm cast, so perfect role. And sometimes mm-hmm. when you know parts for you, it's just everything kind of just yeah. falls together and, and it and it and it works for you, you know? Yeah. I have very high hopes for this film. It got winner of best picture, best director, best actress, and nominated for like six other awards. I mean, those are three of the hardest awards to get, period. Just because of the pool of the possible candidates is just it's right grade a actors everywhere you look right for best actress yeah, best and no director, less just done on a on a small budget with the mm-hmm. with the skeleton five million dollars yeah best picture on a five million dollar budget that is that's that blows my dang mind well with that oh. we will be back to discuss this film nomad right after this break and we encourage you to 
pause this and uh, check it out yourself. You can check it on Amazon Prime um, or any of the major streaming services. That's primarily where I found it. For a uh, small fee, you can rent it. And if you want to join in on the conversation as well, you can check us out at r forward slash Uncovered Cinema. Yeah. yeah. And, and at um, Uncovered yeah. Cinema Online. Yep. And you guys also could check it out at Hulu. That's where I found it at. Uh, but yeah, we'll be right back. guys welcome back to uncovered cinema we just watched nomadland so if you're listening and you haven't watched yet pausey time until you've seen it and uh yes come, yes come yes. back to us first spoilers impressions from well. here on out spoilers from here on out be prepared guys if you haven't paused it <clears throat> you haven't seen it just be aware don't say we didn't warn you all right yeah one of the biggest drawbacks i immediately saw to living the van life was the access of toilets and you know this is shown in the opening scene for a scene with the main character a huge star taking a dump on the side of the road this Mm -hmm. movie gets serious so quickly like i thought it was going in a different direction from the open and within yeah you know 10 minutes uh you kind of see all the pain that all these people have and, and how it's, it's kind of like a support group, the, the nomad nomadic life that they're living and, and and they've kind of turned their backs to the world. Almost. They've gone away from this, you know, nine to five hustle and bustle living in a house Mm -hmm. type deal. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand that need to get away from everything. But when you start to talk to these people and show the videos, of of them you know talking it, it's uh it gets serious real quick you find that you know there's yeah. so much baggage attached to these people which which is fitting uh ironic considering that they've left everything behind you know they're living in a in a in a car essentially and, well, and some I mean not even living in vehicles at all like the like the case of the uh of the young man that she interacts with yeah, the wandering boy. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, sometimes our, well, not sometimes, I can vouch for it. Our biggest baggage is, you know, emotional baggage, you know, stuff that we is bring us. along with us from our past experiences. Right. You know, and the, this film does a really, really good job at showing us that from the get go. These people don't have a lot, but they do have, uh, they're rich in connection, they're rich in. Right. Uh, community you know even though it it doesn't really look like they should be it almost feels like a support group for each other like they're they're giving therapy to each other you know they they sit around a campfire reminiscent of like an aa meeting almost is kind of how i felt it was Mm -hmm. everyone's just sitting around talking about the people they've lost and and what brought them out to the road you know yeah they talk about their mistakes or um you know what they are long for now that they have you know they essentially have just open road ahead of them what do they really want now and it really opens their eyes is it the open road ahead of them or what they're running from you know they're running from something that's chasing them uh did this 
movie kind of play off as like a documentary for you? Because I kind of felt like it was yeah, had a documentary yeah. feel. It, it it really did. It gave me that feel. Like, like I know in the beginning of the of uh, before watching this, I said it was a movie and it had a director and they had a budget. And I know it shot over a um, four month period because I did some research before watching it, obviously. But man. Holy shit, dude. The cinematographer yeah. was able to really, really make it feel like you're following a real person on her day-to-day life, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so from what I was reading when I was kind of looking into it, because this at first played off as a documentary, but obviously we know it's not because there's a big actress in it and there's, you know, a, a, a character plot that goes along with it. So it looks like the... Uh, main actress and the director essentially lived out of a trailer themselves for four months and was traveling this group of uh, van life people yeah. and they were you know some so some of the actors quote unquote actors that were in this film were actually um, nomads you know like yeah. some you know some of those things you couldn't you couldn't fake with the best you know set, no, you set can't department that, that you had and in so it seems that they had basically just infiltrated this group of of traveling nomads and kind of just rolled along with them for a few months. Yeah, and they so, they they'd made it to this uh, quartzite festival in Arizona, and and, and I, you, you think I'm joking about wanting to live a van life, but I've actually looked into this convention that they have every year, and I, and I'm actually looking forward to going myself. Uh, one partially because the in quartzite they have really beautiful uh quartz and, and different rocks and crystals and stuff and Ooh. actually in the show where she's work in the movie where she's working at i've been to that place it's it's right off the freeway yeah. on the 10 in arizona and i go there every year and they have and that's how i learned about it they have this big convention for people that that live out of their trailers and vans and they all come together there's there's uh you know, trailers for sale and stuff. And then they, yeah. there's an indoor convention center, which is they actually showed. And you can, uh, it, there's this whole group of people that, that do seasonal work and they just travel around the country living out of their van, working seasonally. And they learn from this convention where to go to next. Like they will learn how to work the circuits and, mm-hmm. and that's how they find work for Amazon or for, you know, seasonal, uh, you know, uh, snowboard shops and stuff that, that are yeah. only open a few months out of the year. So it's pretty yeah. cool. I'm actually looking forward to going to this. I, was, I thought it was cool that I've been to these places. Yeah. Before um, watching this film, I worked with uh, some traveling, I don't know what you call them, but they're basically traveling merchants who go to different mm. um, golf games, golf course games, and they sell the uh, merchandise at that uh you know, tournament. And then after that tournament, they'll go to the next one during the golf season and off season. They do other gigs elsewhere. I've always was wondering like, how do they find that stuff? You know, where do they figure that stuff yeah. out at? So that makes a lot of sense. It, yeah. And so that's, that was the indication to me like that. They are real mm-hmm. part, you know, players in this film because the owner of that court store, I, I've actually met him and I have talked to him every year. I meet him every year and talk with them. So I'm like, I know that guy, you know, yeah, <laughs> I know really where, cool. where she's at and I know that guy. So this can't be, you know, all scripted. It's, it's gotta be some, some real truth to this here. Well, and that's the beautiful 
um, thing about this film. That's the beautiful hybrid here. So the original book that this film is based off of uh, goes by Nomadland, Surviving America in the 21st Century by Jessica Broder. Okay. This is a deep, or this is a book from the 2007 to 2009 time of her life. You know, after, I'm not sure if it's about her life or about somebody else's life, but all the people that she mentions in the book are real people. And um, how they're able to really make that come to life, uh, Chloe and uh, McDormand had those people that were written about in the book star as themselves in the movie. So not only did they get paid, right. you know, as actors, they get the credit for it, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And they get to play themselves. And that's really the best, like, the best experience. You know, that's what gave this film the feel it has is by having the real people who live through those experiences and living that right. life portraying people who are living those lives. And Frances McDormand just fit right in with them. Like she God, played yes. the role awesome. I was wondering how, for an indie movie, how do they get the rights to film in Amazon and like in the, on the floor? And like that seems like a pretty big like Dude, well, deal, you know? Like how does Amazon say, yeah, you can film your movie in our in our warehouse? You know, that's hey, pretty cool. If it's gonna uh, make Amazon look like a good company for migrant workers, then heck yeah, and. This film made them look like a great company for migrant workers. Yeah, if it, it if feels like you know any anybody who's lost and on the brink of suicide, Amazon can scoop you up and 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 keel you from from the yeah. inside of their corporate warehouses because that's pretty much how the movie started off. It was a little it was for a little a like months at a time advertising for me, and I, I was felt like it was a little too much like. You know, the girl was talking about doing drugs and, and like feeling like she was, you know, going to commit suicide and stuff. And she didn't want to give up because her dogs and she's like, no, I'm worth it, too. Not just for the dogs. Yeah, and then she's like, but then powerful. I found this Amazon seasonal job. <laughs> it's just like it changed everything, you know, but it was but, uh, I, they also kind of eluded that like Amazon pays for their their parking so that they can live there as a seasonal work, though. You know, she was, mm-hmm. when she was leaving they're like oh amazon pays until next week and then you got to start paying these ridiculous you know fees to live here and i thought that was kind of interesting if they actually do do that i I might be more serious it might be might be digging this show on the road will yeah no this um it's absolutely serious and that's why they brought it up is they wanted america to see their side of the story you know they if they were going to stay in their um their parking spot that Amazon pays for after they left they're going to be paying 375 right. per week at 375 Ooh. per week they're paying more to park their van in a place yeah. than I'm paying to rent a two bedroom apartment okay think about that absolutely they're paying more money to park a van not using electricity not using sewage not using anything whatsoever she said mm-hmm. she'll take care of everything still paying more than i pay for a two-bedroom apartment that is pathetic yeah but amazon That's... is stepping in at least during the christmas time when they need the extra help they're paying for um i don't know what they pay but obviously a decent rate they're also yeah. basically taking care of their housing and who knows what else 
so yeah, I could definitely see a lot of those migrant workers looking at Amazon as the, you know, the, oh my goodness, thank you so much for saving my life company. You know, I can see why they hold them in such high regard. Yeah. They, and then they showed this other side that I didn't even think about as well was this, you know, her van breaks down or, you know, she's doing oh, classes man. on how to like, you know, patch a tire or plug a tire. And mm-hmm. car expenses are just so expensive, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. But what does it mean when it's like, that's your home? You know, it's like, you really have a choice and whatever it is, you're going to pay it because that, that, you know, that prevents you from getting to your next seasonal job. And that is, is keeping you from following the rest of your troop, you know, as they're falling, as, yeah. they're, as they're traveling True. down there and that's your friends and family. So well, not it's, just it's, that, it, it, that was real powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's your, so, it's, and, it's your life. Cause what if that breaks down? Like the lady said, she got a flat tire, but luckily she was around people. What if it broke down when she wasn't around people? She'll die. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. If, if she didn't have enough food or yeah. water and, uh, it's it's just it's it's crazy. I didn't think about things like that. So mm-hmm. uh, just I just want to take a back step real quick. So the program that Amazon does that hires those migrant workers is actually called Camper Force. It's a labor unit mm. made up entirely of nomad workers who are seasonal employees. Wow. You know, like we're saying, it's at several of the warehouses which um, the company calls fulfillment centers. So if you guys are, hmm. I don't know, if you guys are interested in that work, check them out. So if you ever yeah, want that- to. Uh, Sell your stuff and live out of a van. Camper Force, Amazon Camper Force. That's pretty cool that they're including. They've recognized that there's this need for people wanting to work, and they're including them in their seasonal traffic. You know, holidays come around. Obviously, there's a lot more that needs to happen in those warehouses to get product moving, and yeah. they've they've very geniusly decided to use this this whole force of of nomadic travelers and provide some source of income for them as, as well as keeping our, you know, mail flowing or our product or packages flowing yeah, uh, efficiently. I think that that's really commendable. That's pretty awesome. Absolutely. You shouldn't have to have a physical address stationed on ground to be able to work. You know, if yeah. you're in this country and you have the right to work, you should just be able to work. You shouldn't have to have a place where, you have four walls around you. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Why Why? Yeah. Why is that? Is my boss going to care where I live, what I drive? No, he's going to give a shit about what my job is and how I perform it. Where does where I live, you know, affect that at all, you know? But yeah, I, one of the things that this movie showed, like we called it beforehand though, it's, it's all shot in the magic hours mm-hmm. and uh, oh, yeah. it's God, really it's beautiful, beautiful. The really amazing scenes of, of America, you know, as we're traveling with this group and seeing all these different little nooks and crannies and stuff, and they make it look so beautiful. I was wondering how they captured this to make it look so beautiful. So I was kind of looking online and it, it looks to me like it's a, a, a mini LF uh, large format Ari that yeah, they were it, using and they, they have it on like a, the a stabilizer a gimbal. Yeah. And, the, and just to get that documentary feel, but it made it look so beautiful. Ari catches such beautiful colors. Yeah. They actually used um, two Ari cameras. They used um, the Ari, Amar- uh, eh, the Ari Amira. With the ultra okay. primes lenses that you were talking about, the small Ari, it's like a yeah fifty nine hundred dollar brain, um, and then they're also using I'm I'm sorry, not an Ari, um, they're using an Alexa Mini, 
And that was the one that was on the gimbal. And it was uh, the camera they're using for. Uh, oh, the Ari Alexa Mini. I see. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Alexa Mini. When they're using, um, when they're gimbling between two characters who are talking. And you can see it was right. an obvious gimbal because they're moving side to side with them. They're right. shooting that with the Alexa Mini. And the Alexa Mini, again, is like a 5000 or $6,000 base. Um, What's amazing with those Ari cameras is they capture so many colors. It captures colors that the human eye can't even decipher, mm-hmm. which is crazy. It's capturing things that we can't even see. That's what makes these yeah. shots so detailed and so beautiful. Like you just look at them and they're just so vivid oh, and God, the gorgeous. colors show so beautiful on that. And it's, it's unreplicatable from, you know, the Ari. It's, it's so distinct. I can tell mm-hmm. that it oh, was yeah. an Ari camera uh, and just, you know, straight from the beginning. And the gimbal operator, oh my goodness, he was making, or she, I'm not really sure who was, um, uh, oh, Joshua James Richard. That's the DOP. But his shots were so beautiful with the gimbal and mm-hmm. they really, really, really brought out the color and the surroundings. The um, shots that they were doing with the drone following them behind, oh my goodness, man. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. But you know what it's, really, really like pulled me into the community of um, of this nomad culture? What's um, that? You know when they were parked up after the uh, at the um, the fire pit thingy after the first day when she was walking through and her friends were like, "Hey, come over here and sit down," and she was like, "No, yeah. no, 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 I'm just going to go on a walk. I'll you know I'll be back." Oh yeah, yeah. The whole time. Um, you have the camera operating operator going around her with uh, the Alexa on a uh, gimbal circling her. And it's just her surrounded by, mm-hmm. you know, one trailer after another trailer on both sides, people everywhere, her smiling. It's the first time in the film I felt safe and I felt community. Yeah. And it exactly. just... Oh man, that shot was it it pulled me in. Like I was I was invested in the film obviously because we had to watch it for this, but like I had my clipboard there, I had my freaking little metal pen. I was getting ready to write my little notes and after I saw that it just it yoinked put me it all right down into and the enjoy movie. It. Yeah. yeah. You just want to put everything down and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I I uh, I like that you mentioned that it feels safe because I, I feel like that is going to be a major concern for women who are living out of a van, especially by themselves. You know, like that mm-hmm. was my main concern for this character was, you know, it, 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 she's by herself in a parking lot in the middle of the night. No one knows where she's at. What What's, you know, to prevent someone from just tapping on the window, which we have a scene like that where oh, someone God. is looking in the window and and it scared the crap out of me because I'm I'm feeling very safe in the trailer with her, you know, as as a as an audience member watching this, mm-hmm. and I was concerned for her safety in that in yeah. that moment. So that guy I wonder broke if that's, the... that's a big thing. That's important that they stay together and keep that community. Yeah, exactly. That guy broke her um, bubble of safety, you know, by coming up. Because what he did is he walked up to her um, her van. She parked in some who knows some some um place a gas station or something something far on the outskirts of it and she was eating her food 
And this guy comes up, doesn't knock on the van or anything, doesn't make a noise. He just comes up and looks through the window and he's just staring at her. He's this old, you know, rednecky guy with a beard, you know, grizzly beard down to his chest. And she screams and freaks out. Then he bangs on the window like she did something wrong. And was like, no, you can't stay here. You have to leave. Like, I scared the shit out of you, but, you know, you're in the wrong. Yeah. 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 Like, seriously? And, you know, I've, I've done, you know, I've done a few days of traveling myself where I've stopped and, and parked at those kind of places to spend the night. And it's mostly when you're just driving and you get tired and you want a place to sleep. And the idea is to find a quiet spot off in the side so that you don't get bothered. And so when someone does bother you, it's just so, you know, it ruffles your feathers so much that mm-hmm. it, it, it throws your whole level of safety off and, and your security. And, and that's kind of important when you live in, that trailer, you know, and also now it feels like it kind of makes sense why they show these intimate scenes of, of her having to use the restroom and and deal with these van life problems. Um, because it is a a feeling of vulnerability and insecurity that, that, you know, someone would have to do that, that your, your, your kitchen is also your bathroom at some points if you need it. And someone could be looking in the window just as easily during that time as, you're sitting there eating, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, I, now it kind of makes sense why we included those scenes to, to help show that to us as the audience. Yeah. They, they couldn't just show us the icing. They had to show us what was underneath too. You know, they oh, have to show us all this don't stuff. Quite taking a shit with icing. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I get it. Yeah. We want the whole cake. We want the whole dumpy yeah. cake. <laughs> Yeah, I want the whole filthy damn cake. Give me yeah. the whole damn thing. You can't just so, can't just see the 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 vanilla icing on top. You got to see the shit cake underneath too. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, so in the middle though, this this kind of played a little bit slow for me though, right? It felt like it was kind of yeah. like dragging on, but also fitting because the character was holding on to something, you know, emotional baggage mm-hmm. as well. Like she had been dealing with it for years, maybe decades. And we have to deal with it for two hours. But yeah, it felt like it kind of dragged on fittingly, though. Like, I understand why. But yeah. yeah, the whole theme of this, of this, you know, movie was about, you know, the hanging on to the loved ones that we had lost and, and remembering them and, and dealing with them in like a healthier way. Because uh, some of these characters were not dealing with them um, yeah. in, in, in that way. They were holding on to those, those memories instead of uh, dealing with them health, health healthy in a healthy way yeah just like the um the main actress said i have been you either she said you either live or you remember and she said i've been spending too much time remembering and not enough time living like she's been spending too much time really well thinking about her late husband and what they used to have and if she didn't stay in her home or in the town that they got married in and they worked in, in the same exact house that they were in after he died, that people would forget about him. Right. But you know, yeah, that's not, you know, and it's only because he doesn't, he didn't have a family. He didn't have, you know, um, brothers or sisters or parents or anything like that. So I understand it. And, it's just, it's, it's rough. It's like, what would you do in her situation? You know, are you going to stay well, in a place that 
helps you like, remember. Like Promising Young Woman, that other movie we watched, it, it almost mm-hmm. played out like a trauma for her, you know? She was almost scared to stay inside of another house when she stayed with her sister and ultimately when she stayed with her, her I guess it would be boyfriend at the time. The being in the house was almost like a constraint for her. Like it was, it was uh, a sense of claustrophobia. She had to get, she almost, there's a scene where she just gets out and runs to her van and that's kind of like the safety for her. But the rest of the time being in that house was, there was a moment, you know, there was a moment where she sees the boyfriend and his son playing the piano together. And it's like almost, I can almost make this, but then it's like, no, no, like this is too constraining for me. It's too hurt. It's too painful to remember yeah. the life that I used to have with my husband. And ultimately we end the movie there. So I, I feel yeah. like she, we we end the movie where she goes and sees the empty house where her and her husband went in. And, and I feel like she gets some kind of closure and hopefully she can move on. I, I don't think living in a van is necessarily a bad thing. I hope she, no. she continues to explore the world with that and, and, and and see different things and meet different people, but hopefully she gets the closure that I, I kind of felt like they were alluding to towards the end of the movie. Yeah. Like me, I feel like um, going to the end of the movie, um, the middle, like you said, dragged on a bit going to a late game movie where she had the boyfriend or something like that. I could tell from the beginning, she was never getting emotionally attached to him. She was very finite in her yeah. things. If she said bye, she didn't linger. You know, when right. usually you're, uh, uh, you like somebody and you just start dating them, you might say bye, but you might linger for a second or two later, then leave. Hers were, you know, gone. So I knew she was never over her, um, her late husband. What I'm hoping is after she left the, um, left Dave, after she threw his name in, um, or um, after she left Dave and she went through her house, she moves on. Like she realizes, well, not realizes, she comes to the acceptance of, I can't stay Mm -hmm. in one place. I need to keep moving for me. I stayed in one place for my late husband and I didn't live for me, but now I get to live for me. And every time somebody tries to like, like tie her down or get her to not do this. She just tells him, no, I'm fine. It's okay. Like in the beginning of the movie, when her friend came up with, um, Oh goodness gracious. Uh, when her friend came up with her two daughters, right? When they ran into them right. in the store. Oh yeah. This happens multiple times. This yeah. incident. Yeah. Go people ahead. always ask you like, Hey, if you need a place to stay, let us know. We'll let you know. Uh, we'll help you out. And she's like, no, I'm okay. And she is. She's perfectly okay. Everyone thinks that this is, you know, do you need help? Are you, you know, it's, is, are you homeless? And they're equating her making the choice to live a a nomadic lifestyle as a, as a homeless person that, that needs help. And, and it's, and it's a decision that she's made. She's, you know, they said herself, she's a pioneer. She's going out and exploring the, you know, the world and, 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 living life instead of being tied down to it and people think that she's you know doing it because she's poor or you know can't afford any other any other means yeah and that is not at all the reality if she wanted to live in one place she would probably spend the exact same amount of money that she's spending right now traveling it's not cheap to travel you know 
It's not yeah. cheap on gas. It's not cheap on uh, nightly lodgings if you have to do that. It's not cheap anywhere. Well, one of the emotional parts of the movie was the interaction with her friend Swanky, who ultimately died oh, of brain cancer. Swanky. And I, I think that is the reason why they're traveling. You know, they're they're living their life. You know, she it, she plays she portrays this very beautiful experiences that she's lived her life with and and she says herself you know it was like it's hard to feel bad for her that that she was passing because she's lived such a beautiful life with the things yeah. that she recalls and the way she explains it is just it's almost like it brings us there like we almost feel like we're there watching these you know the swallows nests that, uh, on the hundreds along this coast this, this coast and and mm-hmm. things that are so beautiful that you know she feels like she's flying with the birds because of the reflection of the water. It, it's real hard to to feel bad, you know, like like when she's passing because she's lived such a beautiful life. And I think that's why these people are doing it. I, I certainly can't recall beautiful moments that, that are one in a million lifetime type things that I live, you know, doing my, my nine to five in my same routine every single day and coming home and sleeping in the same bed. I, yeah, I can't. I can't think of such a thing, and I'm. Um, I think she's, you know, lucky to have experienced those things, and she seems certainly grateful about it. Yeah, she did not seem like she was regretting even a second, because she even said, "I do mm-hmm. not want to spend any more time in hospitals. I don't want right. to spend any time being poked and prodded. I want to spend my time." You know. Yeah, it, one of the other characters even says, "I don't want to." you know, die with the retired retirement yacht sitting in my front yard and I didn't yeah. ever get to the chance to use it. You know, I'm living my life now, even if that means it's at the expense of me, you know, having to deal with the finances a little bit differently and having to find seasonal jobs. But yeah. she's getting those experiences in now, not during retirement, which yeah. I admire. I think that's and kind of, that, that is what makes them pioneers. Yeah. And what she was referring to there is um, that her husband, worked for 65 years or 65 years old when he died, he died a week from retirement. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he, he missed out on everything. You know, he missed out on his yacht that he wanted to buy with his retirement money. That was his whole thing that he, you know, was waiting that extra time to retire for. And she said that she doesn't want to do that, that she wants to live her remaining years. Yeah, r- real beautiful movie, and I, I think the message mm-hmm. is is really beautiful. And uh, it was n- no question why this thing won so many awards. Oh God, no question at all. If you got Hulu, please do yourself a favor. Cut out. I think was it two hours, two and a half hours for this movie, and just watch it. Yeah. It is a treat. It is beautiful. It's raw. It's gorgeous. Mm. It's real. Yes. And the, it, there's it's not, There's much fewer actors than there are real people accounting real experiences in this film. That's what makes it feel like a documentary. But the yeah. story is just told so beautifully. It's put together so well. There's a nice mix of acting and and real truth in it to make it feel very emotional. And... Uh, and live yeah, it. They you get know. they get real people to come in and tell their real stories. Then they get real people to come in and act as their fictional selves. And it's <sighs> I love their decision that they went with this. They they made something so real. 
do yourself a favor, guys. Just watch it. All right, now that that's done, uh, and you guys know where we stand on Nomadland, let's bring up Film of the Week. So yes. every week, we try to come up with a film that you guys can watch together as a family or that's related somehow to the source material, something like that. Uh, this week, we wanted to bring up a one that you could watch with your wife and your kids, you know, bring uh, Jolly and mm-hmm. Nina and have your two and a half kids watch the film with you. Yes. It's called uh, <laughs> Mitchell's vs. the Machines on Netflix. It's an Ooh. animated movie. It's good. It's fun. It has like well-meaning humor in it. It's a movie about technology taking a wrong turn and taking over humanity. I like it. I yeah, I watched it. It's almost too it. real. Yeah, dude, no. It's it's great. I watched it yesterday or something and it was <laughs> ah, stupid. I love it. <laughs> it was good. It was a good movie. So I really really highly suggest watching it. Um the synopsis ah, synopsis is Young Katie Mitchell embarks on a road trip with her proud parents, younger brother, and beloved dog to start her first year at film school. It's, I think, California Film School or some crap like that in the film, but it's basically AFI, American Film Institute in California. That's what she got accepted into. Um, But their plans to bond as a family soon get interrupted with the world's electronic devices come to life to stage an uprising. With help of the two friendly robots... The Mitchells must now come together to save one another, the planet, from a technological revolution. Well, that is the uh, film of the week. Yeah, be sure to check it out. The Mitchells vs. Machines. And I feel like that is a little bit too close to my life. Uh, going, <laughs> Pursuing a career in film school and, and uh, technology taking over the world. Because we are just one more Alexa away from the you know, robots taking over, I think. So it's, <laughs> it, 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 who knows? It could be a, a, a movie that comes true. So hey, uh, Mitchell's versus robotic overlords need to take over. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that, you can check in on the, com- join in the conversation with us at uncovered cinema and on our new Reddit r slash uncovered cinema come on over join the family we throw memes out we have discussions on the films that we're watching for the week i throw out any if i find a random film on one of the streaming services i'll throw it out saying holy crap guys this is really good we'll talk about it so come on over join the discussion i'm still learning how to use it but i might be there as well but i'm also over at uncovered cinema on instagram i know how to use that handle a little bit better as well as on facebook you can join us there and we've been mm-hmm. getting a lot of new people coming in, a lot of new people listening to it. We have a little surge going on, so that's that's exciting. We really appreciate Ooh. the the interest and uh, and thank you and welcome if you're new. This is this is yes, what we do. Welcome. We talk about movies, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. So thank you so much for listening to Uncovered Zoom. Yes, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Still looking for more Uncovered Cinema? 
Check us out online at Uncovered Cinema and r forward slash Uncovered Cinema on Reddit. New episodes coming out every Wednesday. Streaming live on YouTube and Twitch.